Hello and welcome to the AC Podcast. It's me, Troy. I'm here with Steve and Andy. Once again, it is great to be here with you. Uh, at least where we are today, it is a very crisp morning in uh, BC. I don't know how it is for you, Steve. It's probably crisp in the sense of crunchy, icy snow. <laughs> Everybody here is out in their shorts and t-shirts because it's balmy minus five in the morning anyway. <laughs> Minus five. No, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous here today. I yeah, tell you here what, too. Tell you what, I need the sunshine. Mm. I need Dude. a little bit of that vitamin D. Oh, absolutely. You almost don't realize how much you need the the sun until it comes back, and we all just kind of emerge like these <laughs> blessed yeah. beings that are crawling out from under their rocks. Yeah, I'm like a plant coming out of the bark mulch. I'm I'm ready to. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to see that sunlight. Guys, listen, talk about living the COVID dream. Listen, I don't know if you realize how slow the mail is between the US and Canada. It is it is truly horrendous. I have tried to receive a number of packages that have taken forever. But this I think tops it. Today in the mail, I received a letter from my aunt wishing me a Merry Christmas. Oh, <laughs> Post it. She put that in the mail on December 1st. I mean, it's almost Ooh. March. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, either she's late or she's just being proactive, you know. I, I, <laughs> right. That's why I had to look at the date. But anyway, guys, Merry Christmas. Yeah. 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 I don't know about you, but but yeah, before I order or purchase anything online these days, I am always looking, where is that shipping from? Am I going to receive that like in the next year? Uh, mm -hmm. for the uh, literary expedition, we ordered a book out of Australia, this rare book, and it literally took four months to, oh. to, to get to us. Just at that point, <laughs> just, let's just find a PDF. Like it's, yeah. it's over. <laughs> well, we got a spicy topic today. Hey, spicy would be a perfect way of putting it for sure. For those of you who may have missed the news by the name of James Coates from Grace Life in Edmonton who recently turned himself in for breaking COVID restrictions. And so with respect, this is a very big deal. It's a very hot button topic because there's varying opinions around the topic of persecution here. Is the Canadian government now persecuting Pastor James Coates? Church throughout COVID been persecuted. Just to kind of frame this conversation, because this is a this is a hot topic we're dealing with, and, and we'll explain in a moment here, a pastor who was uh, arrested for holding church in, in Edmonton, uh, out in your neck of the woods, Steve. Mm -hmm. I just want listeners to appreciate, these are not easy topics for us to talk on. And, and uh, Troy, it was, it was a couple days ago, actually, when this first happened, uh, that you called me. And I was at home and, and you called and you're just really distraught. As you're trying to just process, you know, what's happening and how to even think about this. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't want listeners to think, oh, that we watch what's going on in the news. And then we just instantly are like, well, here's my my response as though we're some sort of apologetic robots. We're in turmoil as well as we're trying to think and pray through these challenging issues. We're humans, too. Maybe uh, from there, Troy... Give us the emotion of what's going on here. Uh, help listeners to appreciate what has happened. You know, why the, the emotional response that it triggered in you. So the imprisonment of James Coates 
has very clearly sparked the conversation, the outcry of persecution. There is a very strong belief that the church is being persecuted because Pastor James Coates is no longer allowed to preach the gospel. And when I just did a little bit of digging, um, not just ears to the ground trying to talk to the people, but also reading articles for myself, I started to see more the result of a consequence as opposed to someone being persecuted for preaching the gospel, which was a statement that I was seeing a lot of people make. He's being imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And I was like, what? No, Alberta's actually allowed to have their churches open. So I don't understand how we're saying he's being persecuted. I believe that there were COVID regulations that were breached several times. And by the church's own admission, that is something that happened. But I understand him standing by his convictions and believing that if I just continue to bend to the will of the government, I'll actually be going against the word of God. And I just had a hard time with that because quite simply, the government was not telling you you could not preach the gospel. They were asking you to follow COVID restrictions. And as a believer, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, why do I not feel persecuted? Do I feel misunderstood as a Christian, as someone who goes to church? 1000% I do, but I don't feel as though I'm being persecuted. And that was the struggle for me. And that's why, you know, I called you, Andy, and I just, I just needed to my processing of, of the whole situation. Yeah, there's, there is a lot of kind of reaction from both sides. So what I'm seeing is on the one hand, you have people who are not religious that perhaps lean a little bit more to the left side of the political spectrum that look at that and go, well, this pastor basically has asked for it, right? Why should his church get some kind of preferential treatment and be allowed to gather without wearing masks and, you know, gather in full capacity, those kinds of things when everybody else is following the rules, right? Why the preferential treatment? So, they're kind of uh, applauding, in a sense, this person receiving justice as they see it. And then on the other hand, like you said, Troy, I am hearing from a lot of friends on social media and others saying this is persecution. The government is cracking down on church and we need to stand up for our religious freedom, those kinds of things. So, And it's really charged on both sides. Mm. Now, this is the thing I find interesting about it. I'm wondering your guys' opinion is... And for those that are listening that are perhaps outside of Canada, which, by the way, Steve and I did a literary expedition uh, just recently where we had listeners not all around Canada, which was really cool. But we even had some people join us from Germany. So oh, that was surprising. (laughs) I know. It's great. It's great. All right. So, you know, it's interesting because our analytics tell us that we've got people from Japan, Germany all over listening. But to actually see their faces was great. So just a shout out to all of you. We realize that, you know, you're dealing with your own challenges wherever you're at. But here in Canada, we have felt religious persecution for some time. So I would say it's not like all of a sudden we're like, oh, I feel persecuted. No, we have felt persecuted for a while now. And I think that in many ways, it's kind of come to this boiling point where we've been waiting or there's it's kind of like the church is almost like, okay, when is it too far? When is the, you know, is the church need to stand up against the government because we've had enough? Because I've seen a lot, in, even in the social media realm of people, you know, referring to this as the frog in the kettle. 
And I think that's how a lot of Christians feel in Canada, where it's just like the temperature's just been rising. COVID has taken things to an extreme level and people are are looking or waiting or wondering, is is this the moment where we as the church say, okay, enough is enough, you know, and I've had it. Now, I got to say, though, because I was saying to Steve, I go, Steve, this seems weird to me personally, because on the podcast, we've talked about a lot of things that have gotten me fired up over the years that I would have thought the church would have responded to or gotten concerned about or fired up at some level, but have not. But this issue really has exploded, which, to be honest, has surprised me. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I remember sitting back, and I've been watching this for the last few days and having certain discussions, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, now we're angry? Now (laughs) we're angry. Now we are, there's this solidarity, there's this network of people across the country praying, and do not get me wrong, I do not want a single minister of the gospel behind bars understand that that may happen in the way to the call. I do understand that, but I don't desire that for a second, but I just had to sit back and be like, did this need to happen? And it's, it's continuing to unfold. Over and over again, I've heard you guys mention, okay, this is how Christians feel about it. This is what we're perceiving, what the church is perceiving, those kinds of things. And I think I appreciate you being nuanced that way because there is a question out there of well is this persecution are we actually in fact being persecuted like andy mentioned earlier this is sort of in my neck of the woods and at the church where i serve we have been talking about grace life church for a little while now just so our listeners understand this is not something that just came out of the blue for those of us who think well this is government persecution of the church i think you've got it wrong Alberta is the most lenient province in Canada when it comes to that freedom to gather. We are asked to gather at 15% capacity. I think it's too far to say that this is government persecution. Our church has been in conversation with Alberta Health, right, in terms of the the regulations and, and how do we actually do this responsibly. Listen, We had public health inspectors come to our church, go through the church. We tell them what we've been doing and they say, okay, well, there are a few things that you could do differently. For the most part, you guys are doing well. Thank you for doing this with us. I know you can't do this perfectly, but as long as you guys are doing your best, we really appreciate that. Does that sound like persecution to you? If you want to persecute the church, what you don't do is be lenient. What you want to do is find every little excuse to shut the church down. This is not what we're experiencing here in Alberta. Oh, Steve, I, d- I want to uh, agree with you. When I look at this and go, okay, is this persecution? I'm like, they're not saying you can't preach the gospel. They're not even telling him what he can and can't preach. They're not telling them they, they can't even meet. They can meet. You can still hold church online. You can still be a Christian in Canada. They're, they're not challenging any of that. I mean, if, if anything, listen, maybe some people are going to disagree with this. I'm sure there's many, actually, they're probably going to disagree with this. But but listen, I think about restaurants. I think about the cruise industry I, I, I or tourism. I think about the airline industry. I mean, if anybody must feel persecuted right now, these industries have absolutely been decimated. And I'm not saying that the church is an industry, but It's not like we're the only ones being affected by this. And there are many others that are being affected way worse than the church is. 
And so I think we have to put that into perspective. I think we also have to ask why these regulations. And listen, I think that our government is in a difficult situation. I wouldn't want to be our public health minister right now and the choices that they have because they are in a situation where lives are on the line and whether or not you agree or disagree with their policy, you can appreciate the fact that they are going to have to bear the weight of whether or not the decisions that they made led to good, a good outcome or a poor outcome. And honestly, if you think about it, they cannot succeed. If they do a good job, they're going to be in trouble. If they do a bad job, they're going to be in trouble, right? And they're, they're trying to walk this, this line. And so honestly, my, my heart goes out to them. Here's what I would say. And tell me what you guys think about this. I would argue that this is not religious persecution. I would say that this is religious ignorance. Mm. And, and here's why I'd say that, particularly here in British Columbia, where we're not even allowed to meet at all. And, and that is our public health official, Dr. Bonnie Henry, has argued that, listen, church doesn't need to meet in person for you to be the church. And in fact, church beforehand had lots of televangelists. There were lots of people that would just watch a church service online. From what I understand, she she says, listen, I talked to my friends that go to church. They said, you can do church at home. And, it, and what I find fascinating, by the way, and people have been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard me argue about this numerous times where people will ask the question, do Christians need to go to church or not? This is an issue that we have created long ago about what the church even is. And so now all of a sudden we're telling the government that we've got to meet in person in the church where we weren't even sure if we were convicted about that in the past. Exactly. And I'll just leave this point real quick. On my social media, the I think it was about two weeks ago, I made a post just challenging people in the response to the COVID-19 lockdowns. And I said very simply that the government has been classifying the church as a social gathering, but that is no one's fault but our own. We have a responsibility to show people why we are meeting. We have a responsibility to show people why we do what we do. And if at this point in history, the government is still classifying us as just a social gathering when in the midst of a pandemic and doesn't see it as valuable, that's on us. But I feel like we don't want to take responsibility there. And we're just standing here waving, saying, hey, treat us better. We want our rights. Yeah. um, Let me pick up on something you said earlier, Andy, because you said, you know, there is religious ignorance. um, And and I would agree with you that in the sort of the secular elites in our major cultural institutions like the government or, you know, university, those kinds of things, there is often that kind of religious ignorance. Last year, when there was that whole thing about Amy Coney Barrett, when she was uh, appointed to be the next um, a replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg after she passed away for the Supreme Court position. Some people were really concerned about the fact that she wrote somewhere, Amy Coney Barrett did, that our priority as Christians is to build the kingdom of God. And so some people were calling for her disqualification from this appointment on that basis, because what she wants to build, they said, is theocracy. Mm. 
Now, you and I know exactly what she meant when she said the kingdom of God, right? When we say we need to build the kingdom of God, we're not talking about building a governmental institution of some sort. But that is what people outside the church hear because their presuppositions are different. So uh, let me toss it back to you. What do you think? That's exactly my point, Steve. They don't understand what the church is. It's, it's this ignorance. So, so for them, if like think about it like this. If the government thinks that Christianity is about listening to sermons, or if they think Christianity is about singing songs, in their mind, you can do that at home. And then we don't have this COVID risk from you meeting in a building, mm-hmm. right? Well, just do your sermons online, right? Or here in British Columbia, technically, uh, you could have a drive-in mm-hmm. church or something to that effect. Or sing your songs at home sort of thing. So you can appreciate this level of religious ignorance that's going on. And here's a deeper one, guys. I honestly, I think when I look at just how secular our culture is, they don't understand how important church is. They don't understand how important community is and how how light. Now, this kind of surprises me. You would think that they would be aware at some level of just how bad loneliness is and how detrimental that is and that we've got to mitigate that at some level. But there just seems to be an overall ignorance to how important religion is to people, especially if they're irreligious or one of the nuns, if you will. I remember when this whole thing first started brewing, if you will, with churches being restricted in terms of how how many people can meet, those kinds of things. I heard a lot of people who are not religious say, well, church is not essential, right? Church is not essential. You know, like you don't have to listen to sermons. You don't have to do the sacraments. You don't have to, those kinds of things. And I thought to myself, yes, but who are you to say that? I don't think you can make that judgment call in terms of whether this is, how important this is to the Christian. If this is essential to me or not. Yeah. And and so that was one thing that was really curious about it. Now, what's really important here is what's being revealed here, I think, is the importance of presuppositions. Now, when I look at Pastor James and Grace Life Church, I don't blame them for doing what they are doing. Because if you go to their website, you'll see their public statement. You read through it. It's not terribly long. Whether you agree with them or not, you'll get a sense of, okay, that's their starting position. Those are their presuppositions. Because if you read them, what they'll say is, you know, oh, the the definition of pandemic changed like some 10 years ago because of H1N1. If it hadn't been changed, COVID-19 wouldn't even have been considered a pandemic. You know, the numbers don't add up. It's not that serious. And they also come from a place where because of the lockdown and the lack of access to healthcare, because of that, somebody died in that church. So you can sort of appreciate where they're coming from. This is like, this is not good. And the government doesn't have the authority to tell the church not to meet or meet in a restricted way. No. And so if the presupposition is COVID is not as dangerous as the media and the government make it out to be, then of course, why wouldn't you meet? Why wouldn't you defy something that is actually, they believe is actually killing people? So that's their starting position. And so then when I look at that, I go, okay, I understand where they're coming from. I don't blame them for it. But on the government side, that is their starting position. That's their view of the church is, well, you don't have to do it this way. You don't have to gather together. 
And so I don't blame the government either. It's the presuppositions that we need to address. You know, with COVID, I've been trying to really look at things from a somewhat objective approach. Because I'm like most people who are frustrated with restrictions and lockdowns. I'm with people on that one. That sucks. But as far as being, you know, a member of church and, you know, someone who serves in their church, I have really seen this new level of growth to those who have really pressed in and tapped into this moment in time. Because I don't believe COVID is going to last forever. And I also don't believe that the church in maybe in my lifetime is going to get this opportunity to pause, reset, rebuild and prepare for relaunch again. But what I'm finding is there's a lot of people that first and foremost don't want to just openly admit, you know what? I don't want to follow the rules because I'm sick of following the rules and I don't trust you guys. Just pure and plain. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. But what are we missing out on? Church has an amazing opportunity to flex creativity. If we believe that we serve the creator, the designer, then our level of creativity knows no bounds. Ingenuity in and of itself bends the knee to the will of God as he pours out innovation amongst his people. For what? For the gospel. To reach people. To reach people that you never may would have reached before. We have a member of our church now, a member of our church now from South Africa, lives in South Africa, but she's now a member because she came across our live and she, she loved what we were doing. And now when we do prayer calls, she's at, she's up at six in the morning while we're starting the prayer call at 8.30 PM our time. Credible. And we may never have reached her without the lockdown and us taking a risk and, and, and using the tools that were in front of us selves in some new ways and just going for it, trusting God. I, I think that that's a, a great point, Troy. I think that, uh, listen, I think one of the things that has come out of this pandemic as somebody who's worked in church for 20 years is there's a lot of pride in the church at the pastoral level. And there has been a lot of humbling that has taken place. And I would argue unapologetically has needed to take place and that we all must Mm -hmm. learn from. I think that's a really great point, Troy. I mean, you have to adapt to different situations and the church has done that in the past when there was uh, other pandemics like the Black Plague and things like that. I was talking to an elder from our church who happens to be a friend of mine who's a teacher at a local high school here. And one of the things that he said was, if you look at past pandemics, you see Christians reacting exactly the way we're reacting today. So it's nothing new, right? Some will continue to meet despite the dangers. Others will completely isolate themselves. Others will, you know, so these responses are actually not new. And and again, there have been divisions, I guess, or at least differences among Christians in terms of like, how should we deal with this? That's an important piece though, isn't it? On different ways that Christians ha- are 
process mm-hmm. how to deal with this. Maybe this isn't where you were going to go, Steve, but there are other ways that this church could have dealt with this situation. And I know because I know of other churches that are bringing lawsuits, for example, against the government. And so they're bringing legal action with regards to how things are happening, because one of the things that's frustrating a lot of churches is that we can look across Canada and see that policies are not even remotely the same. Mm-hmm. They are different. So, for example, I was talking to Wesley Huff with that's with us out in Toronto. This is an interesting one, guys. They are in a lockdown, right? They have at-home orders going on, yet their churches are still allowed to meet up to 10 people. Their church holds six services. They're allowed to do that. Now, here in British Columbia, it's pretty much life as normal here, except that you're not allowed to go to church and you're not allowed to go to anybody's house. And honestly, that's probably the worst is just the fact that you can't go hang out with with anybody, but you can go to work and just kind of live as normal. Going to stores feels fairly normal in that regard. Here's where I think I get concerned. And this is where I start to react. And I and the other because I heard this on the news the other day and I thought to myself, okay, this is a moment of persecution of which not just the church should stand up against the government, but Canada And that's this. I heard our public health official say, you know, an off comment saying that this is the new normal. I don't know if you guys have heard those sorts of comments. Um, Yeah. And that's where I I lose it. And I think absolutely not. This is not a new normal. And I have no intentions of living like this for the long run. This this is not living I think that sort of speech that we hear from the government and that sort of fear Mm -hmm. peddling, that's where I I seriously get concerned. And I'll I'll stop there. But I think I think when we hear that those sort of sentiments and that that the church or whatnot should start to see this as some sort of new normal. No way. Politically speaking, briefly, the Canadian government has sort of dropped the ball in terms of vaccine rollout. Right. So this is being delayed and that sort of thing already. It's in in the news around the world how bad we're behind. And this is frustrating Canadians to no end because what we're hearing is down in the States, sometime within this year, they're going to call the pandemic off. Right. Not that COVID is gone, but now we don't need to be in lockdown anymore. Canadians are looking at that going, why aren't we doing that? Yeah. Right. What what has happened with procuring vaccines and why is this happening? And so already the Canadian government is losing a lot of support because of that. Now, you know, I'm not trying to talk partisan here, but all that to say that it just does show just how frustrated people are already with this sort of lockdown. And I don't think there's any way that Canadians are going to just kind of sit there and go, OK, new normal. That's fine by me. There's this level of what are you committing to in this time? as a believer, um, as an, as an individual, what are you committing your time to? Because if anything, you got way more time for the most part than you've ever had to really allow the Lord to, to analyze who you are and reveal that to you. It's search me, Oh God, you know, reveal to me these places where I have, perhaps I have become passive. I, this situation specifically, I've, I've spoken with some friends that are directly connected. One of my friends, he's, you know, this is their pastor. And I've had to repent of, 
you know, of jumping to conclusion, of of jumping to emotional response, because at the end of the day, my heart is for the gospel. My heart is for the body of Christ, every capacity being who she has been called to be in this world, not of it, but in it. And my heart burns for our nation just simply because you see the, it's not like division is new. It's not like the unrest is new, like we've been saying, like, but it definitely is, was wild to me that all of a sudden, as I mentioned before, now we're up in arms. Now we're frustrated. Now we're angry. And to a certain degree, we should have been angry for a long time. And <laughs> like, I don't believe it should have led to this point. I don't believe that it should have needed this for us to really start making our presence known. But we can use this. With regards to prayer, Troy, I think that's so key. Are we in prayer? Are we allowing God to teach us through this moment? But I'll tell you one of the people we need to be in prayer for. Those in politics, and we've, been, we've mentioned that a couple of times, but one that we haven't mentioned is our pastors. Uh, our pastors need our prayers. They are put in a very difficult situation. And given all the political tension right now, they're now even more so in political tension. As I've been meeting with different pastors, and I met with one yesterday, they are feeling all sorts of pressure. Not only are they dealing with their own personal frustration, but now they have a divided church that they have to deal with. They've got a church that is absolutely divided, and I've seen this firsthand, where we've got half of the congregation that thinks that the church should not be meeting and are absolutely concerned about COVID, some simply because they're afraid and all the fear that's being peddled in the media right now, which is unbelievable. It's so bad that I, I can't watch commercials anymore or any, like, it's just amazing to me how much fear is being peddled. I don't know if you guys have seen any commercials lately, but the amount of news commercials and, and the fear is just anxiety building at any rate. So you got, you got that. Now there's other people though, that have good reason to not want to be going to church and concerned because they've got family members or they themselves are at risk. So we need to appreciate that those people are in your congregations, people who have a medical reason or, or a loved one that might be young or old that put them at higher risk. And it is wise for them to be cautious. Now, on the other hand, so that's half the church. Half the church doesn't want to come because of COVID. But then you got the other half of that church that does want to meet. They're not at risk. Maybe they don't even know of anybody at risk. And so you can imagine their own frustration as they're not being allowed to meet. And the, you've got then the pastor in the middle of these two. One that's championing to challenge the government and let's fight because we've got to meet. And the other half going, how dare you, you know, want to meet and how insensitive. Our pastors are in a lose-lose situation here with a divided church. I want to encourage listeners to take a posture of listening. And I'm speaking to myself here, a posture of, although I don't understand, or although I disagree, I'm going to hear you out. I'm going to listen to your side of these things, specifically within, you know, very specifically within the church. 
those, you know, I, I will, I'll say this a million times today. If I have to cut it out, I'll cut it out. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, and then take those things and commit them to the Lord. Just like really commit it to the Lord. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it doesn't stand on the word of God. If my approach is not for biblical truth to ring the loudest, my opinion can be argued. I'm guilty sometimes and and the lord's working <laughs> on me for popping off at the mouth cuz i'm a human being and, and sometimes yeah. my opinion mixed with my emotions turns into a shotgun shell that just kind of spreads <laughs> but doesn't really get to the point and that's something for me that the lord i know the lord is working on and i am grateful for that because in this time in these types of situations people whether they're in the church or not, they're looking for truth. You look at what people are asking from the government, tell us the truth. Tell us what is really going on. And if the government were honest, they may say something along the lines of, you know what? We actually don't know. I really appreciate that note, Andy, about praying for our pastors, because I I serve as a pastor at a local church here. And yes, I do see the division. Now, I need to be careful not to get cynical, but often when I see people who really want to gather together, I understand that and I commend them for it. What I'm concerned about is what is the motive for that, right? I mean, yes, we can use the scriptural language about do not neglect to meet and those kinds of things, but is that really because you're convicted of that or is it because you're losing that Sort of, you know, like this is what I'm entitled to do every Sunday, but I don't get to do it. Right. So uh, I guess I'm not trying to be cynical, but I'm just calling for each Christian to examine his or her own heart. When you want to gather together so desperately, what is actually going on inside of you? And uh, on that note, what I want to encourage everyone to do is rather than focus on what we can't do, turn our eyes to what we can do for one another. Okay, maybe in British Columbia, you can't meet as churches. And that is something that you should keep in the back of your mind and you should constantly be revisiting. Okay, you know, is this a time when we need to start pushing back against the the government restrictions and things like that? That should be in your mind. You shouldn't neglect that. But at the same time, you shouldn't be thinking about that exclusively at the cost of what it is that you can do. You know, as we wrap up from a pastoral level, one of the one of the issues that's just on my heart is, you know, there there have been so many affected by this pandemic, people that have lost jobs. Uh, I have officiated many, many weddings of 10 people. Uh, And we have seen funerals that have not been allowed to meet right now. A big thing that we're seeing is social media memorials where people can you know post their their thoughts on loved ones that have been lost i mean there there are so many challenges so many frustrations that are that are going on right now and i think really i mean this is something that i prayed with my kids last night and maybe we're not praying enough for is with our kids we just prayed that that this pandemic would come to an end and that we can get back to life as normal and I think that, that that needs to be on our our hearts and minds, not ruled by fear, 
I am not interested in being ruled by fear. I want to remain hopeful and see that we can get back to life as normal and that we're not going to allow fear to dictate our future and buy into some sort of idea that this is the new normal. There's where I'm ready to start protesting. Uh, (laughs) uh, This is not a new normal. We will get through this and let's do so in gentleness and respect. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast, Persecuted, the Case of the Frustrated Church. If you've been enjoying our podcast in any way, shape, or form and have taken the time to subscribe for our weekly updates, thank you. To help the AC Podcast continue to grow in its audience, we'd like to ask that you make sure to leave a review on your preferred streaming platform. Thanks again for listening. And as always, love God and love people.